Amen. All right, well, we're there in Matthew chapter number, excuse me, Luke chapter number three. And of course, we have been going through the book of Luke as we were in the Christmas season towards the end of last year. And uh, today we're starting a new series called Journey with Jesus, but it really is just a continuation of our study in the gospel according to Luke. We ended last year uh, looking at the stories of the childhood of Christ, the birth of Christ, all the events leading up to that. Today we're going to start in Luke chapter number three, and we begin in Luke three where the book of Luke has a little bit of a new uh, beginning. In fact, just, just by way of introduction, look down at verse number 23 of Luke chapter number 3, and notice what the Bible says in Luke three twenty-three. and Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age. So, of course, last time we were in the book of Luke, <clears throat> we saw Jesus as a 12-year-old boy, and now we fast forward in time to Jesus being about, the Bible says, 30 years of age, and we're about to begin the ministry of Christ, but we begin the ministry of Christ with uh, the ministry of John the Baptist. And if you look at verse 1, I want you to notice that Luke chapter 3 and verse 1 is kind of a new beginning in the book of Luke, because if you remember when we started uh, the book of Luke, we started with this idea that the gospel according to Luke is a very historically accurate uh, account of the life of Christ. And this is how Luke chapter 3 and verse 1 begins. The uh, physician Luke, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, uh, penned these words. Notice there in verse 1, he says, Now, in the 15th year of, and he's about to give us several names of political leaders and rulers, he says, in the reign of, number 1, Tiberius Caesar, Number two, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea. And number three, Herod being tetrarch of Galilee. And his brother Philip, number four, tetrarch of Euturia and of the region of Trachonitis. And number five, Licinius, the tetrarch of Abilene. In verse two, he gives us not only, uh, in verse one, we see political leaders, but in verse two, we see these religious leaders, number one, Annas, and number two, Caiaphas, being the high priest, the word of God came unto John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. Now, there's a couple of reasons why Luke gives us all these names. And like I said, the first is to remind us that Luke is writing an orderly account, a historically accurate account. In fact, just real quickly go back to Luke chapter 1, if you would, and look down at verse number 1, where the book begins, Luke chapter 1 and verse 1. The Bible says, for as much, Luke chapter 1 and verse 1, for as much, and, we, and I preached through this, and I'm not going to take the time to preach uh, through this uh, this morning, but I want to just remind you of it. Luke chapter 1 and verse 1, for as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things, from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. The purpose of the Gospel of Luke 
is for us to know the certainty of those things wherein thou has been instructed, of course, referring to the life of Jesus Christ. So when we get to Luke chapter 3 and verse 1, uh, we see that Luke does not begin by saying a long time ago in a country far, far away. Oh no, he gives us a very historical account. He says, on the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip tetrarch of Euteria. He says, Lysanias being tetrarch of Ivaline. And what he's telling us, he's giving us a definitive region, a definitive uh, time frame. He's telling us these were the people that were in charge at the time. This is the people that were. And, and what Luke is, 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 is kind of saying is, is uh, you know, prove me wrong. He's saying, I, I, I double dog dare you uh, to, to show this as some sort of a fallacy or as uh, it not being a historical account. He says, this is part of history. This is the certainty of the things that happened in Judea, in Galilee, in, uh, in this time frame when Tiberius Caesar and Pilate and Herod were ruling. So we are reminded about the historical accuracy of the gospel. But I think there's something else that Luke is pointing at as well. Because if you remember the gospel of Luke, when we were looking at the birth of Christ, we talked about the fact that when Jesus came to this earth, the angelic uh, hosts appeared themselves not to kings and emperors, not to rich men and rulers, but they appeared themselves to shepherds. And there's this, this idea that God does not go to those who you would think he would go to. The Bible says not many mighty are called, not many wise men after the flesh. And here, I think Luke is kind of pointing this out as well because he tells us we're going to fast forward in the story now uh, to about the time when Jesus was 30 years old. And he says, let me tell you about all these uh, powerful men. Let me tell you about these political men. Let me tell you about these men that you would know about. Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, Herod, and Philip and Lysanias. He says, let me tell you about these religious leaders, Annas and Caiaphas. And he says, I want you to understand, though, that in contrast to those men, Luke chapter 3 and verse 2, he says, the word of God came unto John. He tells us there was a man whose name was John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. And we are introduced to John the Baptist, we've met him earlier in the Gospel of Luke as a babe in the womb. We've met his parents, but now we're introduced to the ministry of John the Baptist. Now, I'd like to just show you a couple of things about the ministry of John the Baptist, again, by way of introduction, then we're going to jump into the text. Keep your finger there in Luke chapter 3, if you would, and go back with me to the book of Matthew, the Gospel according to Matthew, Matthew chapter number 3. If you go backwards, you have Luke, Mark, and then Matthew, Luke, Mark, and Matthew. Do me a favor, put a ribbon or a bookmark or something there in the book of Matthew because we're going to leave that and then come back to it. Matthew chapter number 3. <clears throat> and I want you to look at verse number 1. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 1, the Bible says this, In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Now I want you to notice the impact of the ministry of John the Baptist. Look at verse 5. Then, the Bible says, went out to him, notice what it says, Jerusalem and all Judea and all the regions round about Jordan. Now you know why Luke gives us 
the names of the people in charge of not only the empire that is over uh, the nation of Israel, but of Judea and all the regions round about, because the ministry of John the Baptist impacted the list of names that we were given, Tiberius, Pontius Pilate, Herod, and Philip, and Licinius. The ministry of John the Baptist impacted the location where these men Rain. The Bible tells us in Matthew 3 and verse 5, Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the regions round about Jordan, notice, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. When the Bible says that they went out to him, the Bible is telling us that multitudes of people would come out from these cities and these villages and these locations, and they would come out to John. John was out in the wilderness, and they would come out to John the Baptist to hear him preach the word of God. See, John had a very impactful ministry. John had a ministry that accomplished much for the Lord. Keep your finger right there in Matthew, if you would. Go back to Luke chapter 3. And I think it's a very uh, befitting thing that we begin the year here in Luke chapter number 3 because uh, I want you to know that as far as our church is concerned, we want to be like the ministry of John the Baptist. We'd like to have the impact that John the Baptist uh, had. And already this, uh, this year, and especially the month of January, is already jam-packed and full. The calendar is already full. And, you know, my, my, in my mind, the theme uh, for the beginning of the year has been this, hit the ground running. Because we've got lots to do and lots to accomplish. And this morning what I'd like to do is I'd like to show you some characteristics about the ministry of John the Baptist and why his ministry was so impactful and apply that to us and to our church and what it is that we're trying to accomplish here at Verity Baptist Church. Keep your place there in Matthew. Go back to Luke chapter 3. And let me give you uh, several things uh, to to uh, to consider, and uh, I would encourage you to jot these down. On the back of your course of the week, there's a place for you to write down some notes. And look, we're studying through the gospel according to Luke. Uh, we're going verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We're going to spend the year with Jesus in the gospel of Luke. I would encourage you, when you come to church, number one, you're here, you're here on the first Sunday of the year. Praise the Lord for that. How about you be faithful to church this year? And as you come, take notes as we go through the gospel according to Luke. And by the end of this year, you can have your own, your very own uh, manual of notes through the gospel according to Luke. Wouldn't that be great for you to have? And you could uh, use that to minister to others, or you could print it and sell it. I don't know. You can do something with it. Write a, write a, a commentary out of the gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 3. Let me give you several things that the Bible tells us here about the ministry of John uh, and his, the impact that he made. Number one, John's impactful ministry. I want you to notice that he emphasized Scripture. In Luke chapter 3 and verse 2, the Bible says this, Annas and Caiaphas, being the high priest, notice these words, the word of God came unto John. The Bible tells us that the word of God came unto John. This is something that we need to take note of. And again, I don't want to re-preach all the sermons that I've preached leading up to this, but let me remind you that as we enter or begin the New Testament, the Gospel of Luke, uh, we've, we've had the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we saw Jesus as a 12-year-old boy in the temple. But other than that, we don't know anything else, and the Bible doesn't tell us anything else. We fast forward now to Jesus being about 30 years 
years old. And what you have to remember is that this is the first time that God has began to work in, uh, uh, with his people and among his people uh, since the close of the Old Testament. Between the Old and the New Testament, we've got hundreds of years known as the, the, the silent years where uh, God's word is not coming, the Holy Spirit is not coming and speaking uh, to people. And here now we have this man, John, who's a prophet, and the Bible tells us that the word of God came unto John. So what did John do when the word of God came unto John? Look at verse 3, and he came into all the country about Jordan, notice, preaching. He was preaching. You say, what was he preaching? Well, he was preaching the word of God. John's ministry, John's impactful ministry, emphasized the word of God. It emphasized Bible preaching, and I'm here to tell you, it's a sad state we live in today. It's a sad situation we find ourselves in when you even have to say this in America today, that there are not many churches today that are emphasizing the Word of God. We've, uh, we've had a little bit of a theme here the last several weeks. I've uh, preached a sermon to our church family uh, several weeks ago called Build Your Life on the Bible. And we've been talking about the fact that we want to build our lives on the Bible. And, you know, you talk to people and you think, well, don't all churches preach the Word of God? Have you gone to other churches? I mean, the average church in America today, you walk in there, you, you know, you sit down for an hour and a half. You get an hour and 15 minutes of a rock concert and 15 minutes of a chopped up verse from a wrong Bible version. No, I'm here to tell you, the average church in America today is not going line upon line, is not going precept upon precept, is not going through the Word of God, developing the Word of God, helping the people understand the Word of God, explaining it and applying it. No, today there is a famine for the Word of God. John's ministry emphasize the preaching of the Word of God. You say, well, how, you know, how, how do you, what, what would happen what would happen if people preached the Word of God, if the Word of God was preached? See, John was preaching the Word of God. You say, why? Because John was preparing a people for God. Notice verse 4, Luke chapter 3 and verse 4. The Bible tells us in verses 2 and 3 that the Word of God came unto John, and he came into all the country about Jordan preaching. And in verse 4 we're told this, as it is written. See, the ministry of John was a fulfillment from the Old Testament, you can find it in Isaiah and Luke and different, uh, excuse me, in, in, in Malachi, in different parts of the Old Testament, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, this is what the book of Isaiah says, Isaiah says, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, notice, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. You say, what was it that John was doing? Because here we have Jesus. He's about 30 years old. He's getting ready to begin his earthly ministry. But before Jesus begins his ministry, we have uh, this man, John, comes on the scene. He shows up, and he begins this ministry out in the wilderness. Why did John come first? What is it that John was doing? The Bible tells us that it was prophesied that one would come, a voice crying in the wilderness, 
And notice it says, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Notice verse 5. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be brought low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways shall be made smooth. See, John was sent to prepare the way of the Lord. You don't have to turn there. Actually, go ahead and turn there. Go to Isaiah if you would. Isaiah uh, chapter number 40 if you would. Isaiah chapter 40. And I, it's the same verse that's in the, in the uh, front of our bulletin, but I'd like you to see it. Isaiah chapter 40. In the Old Testament, if you open up your Bible just right in the center, you'll more than likely find the book of Psalms. Right after Psalms, you have Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah. Isaiah chapter number 40. While you turn there, let me explain this to you. Traveling in the ancient world was a dangerous and time-consuming thing. Today, you and I, if we're going to go on a trip, we get on our vehicles and get on a road and get on a highway and travel down a highway or drive down to an airport and get on a plane or drive down to a, uh, a, uh, a shipyard and get on, get on a ship or something like that. In the ancient world, when you began a journey you might find yourself staring at some mountains and valleys ahead of you uh, with no safe or smooth uh, road or way to travel. During that time, you may encounter large rocks and big holes and areas that would be dangerous for you to travel. And what history tells us is that in the ancient world, when you had men of prominence or importance, people like kings and rulers and emperors, before they would go out on a trip, they would send a group of people, a group of men, out before them to prepare the way. They would, uh, before they went out and found themselves staring at a mountain or a valley or some sort of rough or dangerous terrain, they would send a group of people to go out and prepare roads and prepare a way and make sure there was a way for them to travel safely and Conveniently, This is what the Bible is referring to. See, the Lord was coming. Jesus, Jehovah, was coming. Isaiah 40, are you there? Look at verse 3. Notice what the Bible says about John. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness. Why did John come? Why was he crying in the wilderness? Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Notice, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. By the way, who was John preparing the way for? According to Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3, he was preparing a highway for our God. Who do we know he was preparing the way for in the book of Luke? It was the Lord Jesus Christ. That proves to you the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, God was coming. God was coming to his people. Emmanuel, God uh, uh, with us, was coming. But John came first, and he went before him to prepare the way of the Lord, to make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Go back to Luke chapter 3. Keep your finger right there in Isaiah. We're going to come back to it. You should have your place in Isaiah and in Matthew. Go back to Luke chapter 3. That should make a little more sense to you what is being said here in Luke chapter 3 and verse 4. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one cried in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Look at verse 5. Every valley... Every valley shall be filled. Every mountain and high hill shall be brought low. 
and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways shall be made smooth. See, the analogy here, and the people in the ancient world would know that when a king was coming, when an emperor was coming, when a ruler was coming, there was those that would come and prepare the way, make, make, make the, the, the valleys, fill the valleys in, and bring the, uh, the, the high hills down, and, and make the crooked path straight, and make the rough ways smooth. They would prepare the way for the king that was coming. And uh, John, his job was to come. You say, was he physically building a road? No, the Bible here is using this as a spiritual application. John was preaching the word of God, preparing a people to meet the Lord. He was there to prepare them, to help them, to be ready to meet God, to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. Go, if you would, to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. This was prophesied about John the Baptist in Luke chapter 1. Look at verse, verse number 76, Luke 1 and verse 76. Luke chapter 1 and verse 76, the Bible says this, And thou, child, remember this was Zacharias, speaking about his son John at the birth of John, talking about John the Baptist at his birth, And thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord, notice, to prepare his ways. Why did John come? To prepare, he went to go before, to prepare his way. Luke chapter 1, look at verse 17. Notice what the Bible says. And he shall go before him again, speaking about John, Luke 1, 17. And he shall go before him in the spirit and the power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to uh, the wisdom of the just. Notice, and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. See, the purpose of John the Baptist was to come. Go, go back to, to uh, uh, from Isaiah. If you kept your place in Isaiah, go to the book of Jeremiah just real quickly. Right after Isaiah, you have Jeremiah, Jeremiah 23. What was the point? Why was John emphasizing Scripture? Here's why. The purpose was that he was preaching the Word of God to prepare a people for the Lord. He was preaching the Word of God to prepare a people for the Lord. He used this analogy about the roads being rough and having to be made smooth, being crooked and having to be made straight, the valleys being having to be filled, and the mountains having to be brought low. And he used that analogy to say, look, these people are not ready to meet the Lord Jesus Christ, referring to his first advent, the advent of the Lord Jesus Christ, the coming of Jesus the first time upon this earth. And John was sent to prepare them. But I'm here to tell you that we are not living waiting for the first advent or the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But today, you and I are waiting for the second coming or the second advent of the Lord Jesus Christ. And say, what should we be doing as we wait? We should be doing what John the Baptist was doing and preparing a people to meet the Lord. We should be preaching the Word of God, emphasizing the Word of God. You say, why do you guys preach the Word of God so much at Verity Baptist Church? I mean, every time I come here, it's just verse by verse, chapter by chapter, preaching the Word of God. Why? Because there's some valleys that need to be filled in your life. There's some very proud people that need to be brought low. There are some people that are on a crooked path and they need to be made straight. There are some people whose uh, life has been rough and needs to be made smooth. Why? Because we're preparing a people for God. The Word of God is to be used as a tool to prepare you and me to meet the Lord. Jeremiah 23, look at verse 29. Jeremiah 23 and verse 29. The Bible says, Is not my word like as a fire, 
saith the Lord. And like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. See, the Bible says that the word of God is a tool. It is like a fire. It is like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. The Bible says, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. I'm here to tell you something. The greatest thing we have is the word of God. You may or may have not noticed this, but we don't really offer much at Verity Baptist Church. <laughs> we don't have a nice, big, you know, churches today, they pride themselves on the weirdest things. Come check out our light show. I mean, literally, like, laser lights and fog machines. We don't put on a big old production here. We don't put on some big, exciting show and some big production. In fact, our ministry could be described as this. Godliness, we, we try to have godliness with simplicity and godly sincerity. It's a, it's a simple program we put on around here. You say, what do you do at Mary Baptist Church? Well, we get together, we pray, we sing some hymns, we open up the Word of God, we explain it and apply it to your life. That's pretty much it. We, we sing some hymns, and then we preach the Word of God. We, we sing some hymns, and then we preach the Word of God. You say, what about the light show? We don't have a light show. What about the fog machines? Don't have any of those. What, what, about, what about all the spotlights? And what about, you know, because when I go to church, it looks like a casino. When I go to church, it looks like a rock concert. When I go, we don't have any of that. But let me tell you something, what we do have, we have the same thing that John had. See, out in the wilderness, John didn't have a nice building. He didn't have a nice temple. He didn't have a lot of programs. He didn't have a lot of resources. But he had the word of God. And he prepared a people to meet the Lord. I'm here to tell you, John's impactful ministry was impactful because of the preaching of the Word of God. For the last 11 years of Verity Baptist Church, we have attempted to preach the Word of God. We're trying to help you build your life on the Bible. You say, why? That you might prepare to meet the Lord. That you might be ready. And look, I'm, I'm here to tell you, and I don't understand this from people. Some of these people come to church like this, like, well, I don't really like your church. You, you make me feel bad. You ever stop to think that maybe you need to be made to feel bad? Yeah. Maybe you're not ready to meet God. Maybe you're not ready to meet the Lord. Maybe you've not yet arrived. And by the way, I've not arrived. I'm not ready. God is performing a work in you and in me. God's word is trying to get us ready and prepare us. And John showed up and said, hey, there's some things that need to be addressed. There's some things that need to be fixed. There's some things that need to be done here. We see in the ministry of John, John's impactful ministry emphasized the Word of God. But I want you to notice, secondly, this morning, go back to Luke chapter 3, if you would. Keep your place there in Matthew. We're going to come back to it. Not only do we see John's impactful ministry emphasized the Scriptures, but I want you to notice, secondly, that John's impactful ministry emphasized separation. Say, so what do you mean? Well, for starters, John's Ministry was actually physically separated. Luke chapter 3, are you there? Look at verse 2. And Annas and Caiaphas being the high priests, the word of God came unto John, the son of Zacharias, notice, in the wilderness. John was out in the wilderness, and he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins, and is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, notice, the voice of one 
crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John started this ministry, and John did everything opposite of what most people would tell him to do in order to start the ministry. You would think that John, and don't misunderstand me, I, I believe this. I think this is what we should do. You would think that John would go to where the people were. You think he'd start right in Jerusalem, right by the temple. I mean, the temple is the religious uh, center of the nation of Israel. You think he would have started, you know, he would have got a little storefront building out there next to the temple and started his preaching ministry. That's not what John did. Now, I'm not saying that that's wrong. I think that's what we should do physically. In fact, that's what Jesus did. Jesus went to where the people were. He preached in Galilee, and he preached in Judea. He preached in the villages and sought people out. But I think God is trying to show us a spiritual application here because John, he did something different. He went out into the wilderness. He was the voice of one crying in the wilderness. John uh, John had physically separated himself from the people, but I want you to know it's more than just a physical separation. John had also socially separated himself. Go to Matthew chapter 3 if you would. Look at verse number 4. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 4. If you remember verse 1, it says, In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea. In verse 4, we're told something about this John. Notice verse 4, And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern, a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the regions about Jordan. The Bible tells us that his raiment was of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. You say, what is that telling us? Well, it's telling us this, that John was a peculiar man. He was, there was something different about him. You say, you know, are we supposed to wear a uh, dress like John? I'm not saying that we're necessarily supposed to dress like John, but I am saying this, that in this culture and in the society in which John lived, they would look at John and say, John dresses different than the rest of us. John, John consumes different things than the rest of us consume. He lives a different, he's out in the wilderness. He lives this separated life. See, John's ministry was impactful because of the emphasis of Scripture, but it was also impactful because of the emphasis of separation. There was separation. Now, John's ministry was physically separated, and what we can learn from that is that our ministry ought to be spiritually separated. Go with me to the book of, of 2 Corinthians, if you would. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17. You're there in Luke. You have John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17. Sometimes people walk up to me after I get done preaching on a Sunday. Well-intentioned people, and I think their heart's in the right place. They say, you know, Pastor, you know, I really like the sermon here, but, you know, if you got a little more livelier music, you might get a bigger crowd. You know, if, if, you, if, you, put a, you, know, if you change your, your, your clothing a little bit, put on some skinny jeans like the good night. Like, like every other pastor? You know, let me tell you something. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, and this is, you take this or leave this, but when you're 40 years old, skinny jeans, no. I mean, skinny jeans, never, but you're fat and you're old. Skinny jeans don't make you look skinny. You do the opposite. You know, if you just change things up a little bit around here, you might be able to gather a bigger crowd. Hey, let me, let me tell you something. What you win them with is what you'll win them to. 
We're not, we're not looking for a bunch of worldly people. You say, oh, uh, you know, what about unsaved people and, 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 and worldly people? Don't you care about them? Yeah, we care about them, but you know what we want? We want to get them saved and help them and prepare them for the Lord. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17, the Bible says, Wherefore, now this is spiritually, but doesn't it sound like John's ministry? Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. See, our ministry, like John's ministry, was physically separated. Our ministry should be spiritually separated. People should walk in here and say, this is different. This feels like you're out in the wilderness somewhere. This is, see, for John, they would say, you're out in the wilderness. You know what people say to us? They walk in here and say, man, this feels like a little house on the prairie. What are they saying? You're separated. You're out in the wilderness. See, John's ministry was impactful because of the emphasis on Scripture, because of the emphasis on separation. Excuse me, in 2022, we're not changing our stands. We're still preaching against alcohol. We're still preaching against Hollywood. We're still preaching against the Sodomites. We're still preaching against wickedness. We're still preaching against sinfulness. Why? Because we're trying to make an impact, which means that in order to prepare you for the Lord, see, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and I will receive you. We have to live holy, separated lives. We'll never be perfect. We'll never be without sin. But we must strive to live in such a way. The Bible says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. But you can't draw nigh to God while holding hands with the devil. So we see John's emphasis on scripture and we see John's emphasis on separation. I want you to notice thirdly this morning. Go to Luke chapter 3, look at verse 3. John had an impactful ministry. He emphasized the scriptures and he emphasized separation. I want you to notice that he also emphasized salvation. In Luke chapter 3 and verse 3, the Bible says this, And he came into all the country about Jordan preaching the baptism of repentance. The baptism of repentance. And people will stop right there and say, See, John the Baptist, he preached that you have to repent of your sins in order to be saved. By the way, this phrase, repent of your sins, never found in the Bible. Not one time. And as I see, John said that you have to repent of your sins in order to be saved. The Bible says that he preached the baptism of repentance, but I want you to notice the rest of the phrase, for the remission of sins. I will say, see, there you go. They have to repent and get baptized in order for them to have remission of sins. Well, that's how you define the word for, but you know the word for has several definitions? One way to define the word for is to give it the meaning that says in order to or in order for. Another way to define it is because of. Like when the Bible, well, no, the Bible says goodnight. When there's posters that say wanted for murder, what does that mean? They're wanted because of murder. Here the Bible tells us that John came preaching the baptism of repentance because of the remission of sin. See, John was getting people saved. Their sins were being remitted. They were being forgiven. And as a result of them getting saved, he was then preaching to them the baptism of repentance. You say, well, I don't know. You're, you're kind of defining that word for us. Okay, well, let's let the Bible define it for us. Go to Acts chapter 19. 
Acts chapter 19, because in Acts 19, we're actually specifically told what it is that John was preaching. Acts 19, you're there in Luke, go past the book of John into the book of Acts. Now, I want you to remember that in Luke chapter 3 and verse 3, we read, and he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance. Remember that phrase, baptism of repentance. Acts 19 and verse 4 we have Paul meeting with some people who were impacted by John's ministry, and they're talking about it, and Paul is going to explain to us what it is exactly that John was preaching. Acts 19, verse 4. Notice, then said Paul, John, referring to John the Baptist, verily baptized with, notice this phrase, the baptism of repentance. Does that sound familiar? Luke 3 and verse 3, and he came into all the country about Jordan preaching the baptism of repentance. Paul says, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance. Notice what Paul says, saying, Paul's about to tell us exactly what it is that John was saying when he was preaching the baptism of, of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. Isn't that consistent with the rest of Scripture? The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Let me tell you something. Salvation has always been believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It has never been quit smoking. That's what repent of your sins is. We always say, you got to repent of your sins in order to be saved. The word repent means to turn or to change your mind. If you have to stop sinning in order to be saved, that's work salvation. John wasn't preaching work salvation. He was telling people that they should believe on him, which should come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. He was telling people, hey, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. The reason that, and we're about to look at it, and we're going to look at it in more detail tonight. The reason that sometimes people get confused about the ministry of John is because though he was preaching the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him, which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus, Though he was preaching that salvation was believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, many of John's disciples did repent of their sins. They did turn over a new leaf. They did change their lives. And people will look at that and say, and they'll say, oh, see, John was teaching repent of your sins. But that's not true. In fact, isn't it interesting? I mean, think, think about this. You're at a church, Verity Baptist Church, well, we teach people, salvation is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, period. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. That's all you need to do. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to get baptized. You don't have to give money. You don't have to do anything. Because if you had to do that, you'd be earning salvation. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves is not something you do. It is the gift of God. It's a gift freely given. You don't pay for it. You don't earn it. Not of works, lest any man should boast. We tell people, you don't have to do anything to be saved. All you need to do is put your faith in Jesus Christ, your trust in Jesus Christ, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, and thou shalt be saved. And then we tell people, once you are saved, it's everlasting life. It's eternal security. You can never lose it. There's nothing you got to do to stay saved. There's nothing you can do that would cause you to no longer be saved. Once you have it, you get it for free. Once you have it, you'll never take it away. That's what we teach, that's what we preach, that's what we believe. Yet we have a church filled with people 
that after they learned that they didn't have to do anything to get saved, they didn't have to do anything to stay saved, they decided after salvation, I'm going to read nine chapters a day in the month of January. I'm going to change the way I dress. I'm going to stop drinking alcohol. I'm going to start being a soul winner. I'm going to start living right and doing You know what's funny is, those of us who teach and preach the hardest that you don't have to do anything in order to be saved are also the ones that are doing the most after we got saved. And then you've got the religions that tell you, oh no, you got to live a good life. you got to do good things. It's not as simple as just belief. And they're the ones that are living in fornication, living in drunkenness, getting high. They're the ones that are not having their lives match up. I'm here to tell you, hey, yes, you don't have to repent of your sins to be saved, but once you're saved, you ought to repent of your sins. Not for salvation, but because of salvation. We see John's impactful ministry was an emphasis on salvation. He was getting people saved. Go, go, go back to Luke chapter 3. Look at verse 4 again. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Provide you the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and, and, and hill shall be brought low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough way shall be made smooth. Notice verse 6. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. See, John was preaching salvation. Go to Luke chapter 1 if you would. Luke chapter 1, remember in verse 76, we saw Zacharias speaking about his son. Zacharias was John the Baptist's father. At the birth of John the Baptist, he was speaking about his son. We already saw it, but I want you to see it again. Luke 1, 76, notice what he says. And thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. We've talked about that, but notice what he also says in verse 77. To give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sin. Zacharias said that John would be called, that he would be called the, the, the prophet of the highest because he would give knowledge of salvation. I love that little phrase, knowledge of salvation. You know what I, what I want very much in 2022? Something I'm praying about and helping the Lord will help us do is that many of you, I'm talking about our Verity Baptist Church family, that many of you who have not yet decided to give your life to the ministry of reconciliation will decide this year that you'll become a soul winner. You say, why would you pray that? Well, Jesus told me to pray that. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. He told us to pray for laborers to go out into the harvest. And I'm praying that God would raise, first of all, we already have an army of soul winners in this church that go out. But I'm praying that some of you who have not gone soul winning will get soul winning. Some of you who used to go soul winning will get back to soul winning. Some of you who have not been consistent with soul winning will become consistent with soul winning and realize that our job is to give knowledge of salvation unto people that are lost. You say, what do we need to do in 2022 at Brady Baptist Church? We need to emphasize the scripture. We need to emphasize separation. But we need to emphasize salvation. I'm not trying to pick on you, and I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but some of you need your feelings hurt. Some of you did not lead one soul to Christ last year. Not one. Some of you, and I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm just trying to help you out. Some of you have never led a soul to Christ ever in your life. 
But yet God called us to the ministry of reconciliation. The Bible says God left you here to be an ambassador for Christ. That we would, in Christ's stead, go out and plead and, 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 and help people be saved. You say, Pastor, you're hurting my feelings. I've never gotten anybody saved. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but I am trying to encourage you a little bit. Maybe learn how to get somebody saved this year. You say, how do I do that? Show up to soul when he will train you. We got a soul wing seminar. We'll teach you how to do it. We'll partner you with somebody who will teach you how to do it. Hey, why don't you decide today that you're going to be a soul winner this year? You're going to get somebody saved. You're going to go out and preach the gospel. You're going to emphasize salvation. You're going to be like John and give knowledge of salvation to a people for the remission of their sins. So what is it that John was doing? He was emphasizing scripture. He was emphasizing separation. He was emphasizing salvation. Let me give you the last one this morning. We'll finish up. Go back to Luke chapter 3. John's impactful ministry emphasized sanctification. Why don't you notice verse number 7? Here we have John having an impactful ministry, shows up preaching. The Bible says that all Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the regions running about Jerusalem uh, and Judea came out into the wilderness. To hear him preach. Let's listen to one of John's sermons. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be like the mega church leaders of today, right? Luke chapter 3, verse 7. Then said he to the multitudes, let me talk to you about the purpose-driven life. Is that what he says? Then said he to the multitudes, let me talk to you about your best life now. Is that what it says? Then said he to the multitudes that came forth to be baptized of him, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? This doesn't really sound like the televangelist of today. Let me tell you something. John's preaching was not Joel Osteen preaching. It was not, God wants to make you rich and healthy. You just got to start thinking right. He gets up and he says, oh, generation of vipers who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come. That's why I think it's funny when people, they, they get mad at me and say, Pastor, I don't think you're just, you're not that, you, when you preach, you're just kind of rough and you're kind of direct, you're kind of just in, in, your, in the faith. I think to myself, you must never read the Bible. Yeah, right. This is the preaching of the Bible. Amen. Verse 8, bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance and begin not to say within yourself, we have Abraham to our father. I say unto you, that God is able with these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And this is how John preached. By the way, John wasn't a Zionist. <laughs> he said, don't, don't tell me about the fact that you're Abraham's your father. God is able with these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. Here's what he's saying. Your pedigree, your ancestry means nothing with God. I don't know how many times I knocked on somebody's door and said, do you know if you should do that today or you're on your way to heaven? You go, oh, well, you know. My grandmother's a pastor. <laughs> Think to myself, there are so many problems with that statement. I'm not even sure where to begin. But let's begin here. You're, you know, I was the reason, and I said, hey, well, listen, you know, I, I understand that, but do you know for sure if you died today? That you're on your whatever. Well, I I just told you somebody this other this other like time I was knocking on somebody's door. She, this lady didn't tell me her grandmother was a pastor. She was the grandmother that was a pastor. 
this elderly lady said, hey, you know, God forbid, do you know if you were to die today, are you on your way to heaven? I said, well, I'm a pastor. I said, okay. But do you know for sure if you die today, are you on your way to heaven? But I just told you I'm a pastor. I said, listen, lady, I'm a pastor too, but if somebody asked me, do you know for sure if you're on your way to heaven, and I told them uh, I'm going to heaven because I'm a pastor, that's the wrong answer. It's not why anybody goes to heaven. Well, I just don't, I just don't, you just don't want Salvation is not based off your pedigree, your position, your ordination. That's not salvation. And if that's the answer you give, you're giving the wrong answer, buddy. He says, we have, don't, don't tell me about having Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. He says, verse 9, I got to give this to you Zionists. You know, people get mad at me. You, 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 you know, you shouldn't preach, preach against the Jews. The false religion of Judaism that rejects the Lord Jesus Christ, that, that religion. It's funny to me, we, we can preach against Islam, we can preach against Hindus, we can preach against, you know, the cults, but we can't preach against the Jews. It's not racism. We're, we're against all false religions. It has nothing to do with their ethnicity. Verse 9, and now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. John said, look, don't tell me about having Abraham to our father. You don't know what's about to happen. God is about to take down this tree. Now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. That's why Jesus showed up and he said that he's looking for a new nation. He's looking for a different nation that will bring forth fruits. He said, many shall come to me in that day. He talks about the fact that many in the kingdom of heaven will come from the east and the west and, and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, but the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. Why? Because they're trusting the fact that they're the sons of Abraham to get them to heaven. And they never became a son of God. They never got born again. I want you to notice that John's Preaching was a little rough around the edges. Oh, generation of vipers. I'd like you to go back to Matthew chapter 3, and I want you to understand this. Because you look at that and you think, that's kind of a rough way to start. I mean, he's, he begins to start, he's like, you generation of vipers. I mean, he's saying, you stinking snakes. You slimy, slithering snake. What, what, what is it that prompted John to preach like this? Look at Matthew 3 and verse 6. And were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he, this is John, notice, saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism. Because here John's doing a great work for God, getting people saved, they're getting baptized, getting remission of sins. And then these Pharisees and these Sadducees, they show up to his baptism. And apparently they want to be baptized of John. You say, why would they want to do that? Well, it's, it's what all the cool kids are doing. It's just one more religious act, one more religious ritual for them to add to their list of things. So many of the but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, notice, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bring forth, therefore, fruits, meat for repentance. Here's what John was telling these people. He was telling them, my ministry is not for everybody. He said, we want serious people here. 
Take your little false religion, your little whited sepulcher, you know, show somewhere else. We're here to do business. And look, I'm here to tell you, go to, go to Matthew chapter 5. I'm, I'm here to tell you, and I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. And I hope you take this the wrong way because I, we, we want as many people here and we want all of you. Everyone that's here, we want you to be part of this church and to get conformed. But I will be the first to tell you, Verity Baptist Church is not for everybody. Only serious applicants should apply. This is not the playground church. You want a playground fun center church where you can go there and check off your religious action like a Sadducee and a Pharisee? Well, I went to church. I went to church. I'm good to go. And I feel good in my sin. I was drunk and high and fornicating last night, but I feel good Sunday. You want that church? I can help you find a church like that. I mean, we can just open up the, the, if we had a phone book, if they didn't go out of existence, we could open up a phone book to the church section and just randomly, pfft. look for a church that doesn't have the name church in it, and you'll find it. As long as it says center, gathering, whatever, the crossing. <laughs> just, just whatever church, the gathering, the peeps, I don't know. Whatever church you want, find it. You can go there. You can go there high and drunk and fornicating, and you'll never feel bad. You'll never have anybody confront you with the word of God. You'll never have anybody say, we got to make this part straight. Prepare to meet the Lord. You'll never find that. John said that. We're not playing games here. Look, I'm here to tell you, we want everybody here. We want as many people here as possible. We want to help you prepare and be ready for the Lord. But I'm here to tell you, this is not, this is not the Boy Scouts. This, I mean, this is special forces. We're, we're preaching the word of God in heavy doses. We're explaining and applying and preparing a people for the Lord. Only serious applicants need to apply. Now, look, you're here, you're here, you're new, you're newly saved. We're going to love on you. We're not going to expect, look, we're going to help you grow in the Lord and give you the sincere milk of the word. We're not going to force you. We understand that people need to grow, and any time we get that, that's not the point that I'm making. But I'm here to tell you, if you're not serious about God, if you're not serious about the word of God, we can find you a church where you'll have uh, an hour and 15 minutes of a rock concert and five minutes of a sermon filled with jokes and poems and anything but the Word of God. John looked at these Pharisees and these Sadducees and he says, you are not serious. You're a fake. You just want religion. You just want to feel like you did some sort of religious act so you can go back to your house and feel good. And John said, you're a viper. He saw Many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism. He said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Now you show up around here and you say, Man, I'm new and I'm worldly and I got lots to learn, but I just love the Word of God and I just love learning the Word of God. Hey, you're going to fit in great around here. But you come here like a Pharisee and a Sadducee and says, I've been religious for a long time, never read the Bible. Don't know what the Bible says. Couldn't tell you anything about doctrine from the Word of God. But you better not preach to me the Bible. Hey, this church is not for you. We're looking for serious people. See, John said, bring forth, therefore, fruits, meat for repentance. He says, 
you need to bring fruit that, he says, look, you don't have to repent of your sins to be saved. We say it this way, you don't have to do any works to be saved, but once you're saved, God expects works from you. You have to, have to work to be saved? No, but once you're saved, you got to get to work. Bring forth, therefore, fruit, meat for repentance. Keep your finger right there in Matthew. Go back to Luke. We're going to finish up. I want you to notice several things by way of conclusion. John's preaching was comprehensive. Look at Luke 3 and verse 18. And many other things. You see that phrase, many other things? In his exhortation, preached he unto the people. John's preaching was comprehensive. He preached about lots of things. He didn't just preach about salvation. He didn't, he, he didn't just preach about baptism. He preached about everything and anything that was in the Bible. And many other things in his exhortation preached he unto the people. Look at Matthew 28, verse 19. Here we have the great commission that the Lord Jesus Christ left for us. He says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Matthew 28, verse 20. Notice this. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. You know what my job is? To teach you to observe all things. I hope when I die, people will say of Pastor Jimenez, many other things in his exhortation preached the unto the people. Amen. Paul said it this way, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. That's why, by the way, one of my goals is to preach through the entire Bible. I mean, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the entire Bible. Well, that's one of the reasons we're preaching through the book of Luke. We said, why are you preaching through the book of, through the book of Luke? Because my goal is to preach through the entire Bible. And in 11 years, we've done quite a bit. We've done many books of Bible. I mean, we're, we're well into. I, I think uh, that by the time we hit our 20-year anniversary, we could definitely have already preached through every verse, every chapter of the King James Bible. You say, why would you want to do that? Because I want to be able to say that I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Amen. I've taught you everything the Bible says. We have taught you to observe all things. Amen. All things whatsoever I have commanded you. So we see that John's preaching was comprehensive. But I want you to notice lastly, Luke chapter 3 and verse 19. John's preaching was direct. See, John's preaching got him in trouble. Remember all those politicians at the beginning of the passage? John was impacting their ministries, impacting their locations. His ministry was impacting their locations. Well, he, he preached. You see, people, they get mad at us. I don't understand why you can't just preach the gospel. Why do you have to preach about the stuff in the news all the time? Why do you have to preach about, you know, Governor Newsom? And why do you have to preach about the Sodomites? And why, why, why can't you just preach the gospel? Preach the gospel. Well, here's why. Because many other things in his exhortation preached the unto the people. Look, New Testament Christianity is to teach you to observe all things. And look, 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 look at Luke 3.19. But Herod, the patriarch, that's a political leader, being reproved by him for Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, and for all the evils which Herod had done, here we have Herod, who married his brother Philip's wife, and John preached against it. He preached against his 
adultery and divorce and remarriage. He preached against the evils which Herod had done. And look, look at the end. The reason that God brings us up because he tells us how John begins. He tells us how John ends. Luke chapter 3 and verse 20. Added yet this above all, that he shut up John in prison. And if you've been reading nine chapters a day, you should have already read that when Herod put John in prison, he took off his head. Why? Because, Herod, because John preached against him. See, biblical preaching is direct. Being reproved by him for Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. And Herod didn't like it. I'm here to tell you, when we actually build our lives on the Bible, the world's going to hate us. They're not going to like it. There have been Christians all through the ages, starting with John, who have given their lives because of the preaching of the Word of God. But today, today we live in a society where preachers are trying to make the Word of God compatible to the world. So what they do is they don't declare the whole counsel of God. They just skip over the stuff that's controversial. They skip over the stuff that's uh, direct, that's offensive. But let me tell you something. When you skip over the stuff that's direct and offensive, that's not comprehensive. That's not preaching the whole counsel of God. John's ministry was to preach the whole counsel of God, was to preach everything the Bible says. Many other things in his exhortation preached he unto the people, and as a result, he got his head chopped off. We've suffered things at Verity Baptist Church. We talked about this on Wednesday night. We have not yet you know, suffered, and we've not yet striven unto blood. We've not been imprisoned and things, but we, we've suffered things and persecution and things as a result of our preaching. And people say, well, you know, you know, you know the LGBTQ, they're, how powerful they are. Why do you have to mention them? Because the Bible mentions them. There's so many people that are, uh, drink alcohol. Why do you have to mention alcohol? Because the Bible mentions it. I understand why I have to mention this sin and mention that sin and mention that. Because the Bible mentions it. Because we're going to build our lives on the Bible. And because, let me let you know a little secret. There's about 200 people in this room, and every, you know, pretty much every sin in the Bible has been done by somebody in this room. If I didn't mention every sin that somebody did, then I'd get up and be like, all right, well, let's go home. Talk about the gospel. And look, we're all for the gospel. We preach the gospel every week. I was so winning. But you know what you need to do? You need to prepare to meet the Lord. And I hope this year, I hope this year you'll decide to get serious about your walk with God. Build your life on the Bible. Emphasize scripture. Live a separated life. Focus on salvation and bringing the gospel to other people. And let's get serious about walking with God. We're all sinners. No, one, no one's here is perfect. We all have sin in our lives that we have to deal with and things that we're trying to grow. And we've all got past, but we can be a people prepared for the Lord. Let's bow our heads in our word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for this man, John, and his boldness to preach the word of God. To make a difference and make an impact. And Lord, I pray you'd help us. 
I pray that you'd help us in whatever minuscule way you'd allow us to be like John, to preach the word of God, to prepare the way of the Lord, to confront sin, and to help people prepare for Jesus. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen.